1: Inside Sources. Inside, Inside Sources. America's Voice of Reason, Boyd Matheson, on Utah's Home for Elevated Conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio.
2: Well, the headlines over the past week have obsessed on Washington being balloon consumed and many politicians performatively spewing an abundance of rhetorical hot air regarding items in the sky over America. But beyond the headlines, is this political shiny balloon actually preventing a principled conversation about strategy and tactics regarding China? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day. Think again. Well, there has been a lot of talk about things in the skies and what should or should not be done, how it relates to China. And in the midst of all of that, I think we're actually missing the bigger message and really pleased to have help us break all of that down and get to the right conversation. U.S. uh, Senator Mitt Romney from the state of Utah joins us in studio today. Senator, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Boyd. Happy to be here.
2: Uh, And this has been one of those things that you have been working on in committee, in the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, things that you were working on last year uh, in that committee in terms of China, what the threat really is, and a different kind of conversation that goes well beyond the shiny objects of balloons and things in the sky.
1: Well, we typically as a nation get consumed with little events that are happening and uh, respond with something on an ad hoc basis as opposed to thinking in a comprehensive way and developing a strategy to deal with a major challenge. You know, back in the early days of the Soviet Union, uh, our government came together and created a, a strategy, a way of dealing with with Russia. The idea was that we would uh, isolate Russia uh, and, uh, and, and we would separate ourselves from them economically, militarily. Well, in this case, we need to develop a strategy relative to China. And uh, the uh, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, a Democrat, uh, Menendez, Bob Menendez and I, put together a bill calling on the State Department to do just that, to develop a strategy with full tactics developed not just by the State Department, but by people outside government as well. And we got that passed last year. I met with the Secretary of State this week for dinner, and we spoke about that, among other things. And, uh, yeah, China represents a – well, probably the biggest single challenge our country faces Mm -hmm. over this century is the emergence of China as a nation – as strong as, if not stronger than us, militarily and economically. Yeah. Uh,
2: And and you've uh, talked about the administration in terms of having more uh, broad principles, uh, things like uh, competing or investing or aligning, uh, and that that's just not enough. Uh, Some of it, I know, is from your corporate experience that you know that uh, we we always go to the art of war on this show, that uh, strategy without tactics is the slowest path to victory. But Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. Uh, you talked about that in the committee hearing. Uh, you talked about some of your experience of look, we can talk about principles and we we can deal with tactics when we have to,
1: but if you don't have a strategy to pull that together, it's really just a lot of noise. Yeah, we we look at what China's doing and we we wring our hands as we see them investing ag- aggressively in the Caribbean, mm. in Africa, throughout Latin America. Uh, we get upset and we see them having Confucius Institutes here in the United States. We see them steal our technology, uh, just one thing after the other. And we we respond to each of those items, but we haven't said, OK – What's our what's our what's our shit? Yeah. How, where, where are we going to push back against them? How are we going to deal with Latin America and Africa? Uh, what are we going to do to promote our values inside China and in nations around China? Uh, and, and so that's something which really needs to be developed. It's not going to be made public, but we have to th- recognize that this is the great challenge of our century. Uh, from a geopolitical standpoint. And uh, we got to deal with it the way you would if you were uh, planning a major invasion or if you were planning the growth of a company. You you think through where you want to go and all the steps to get there.
2: Yeah. I know that you and Senator Menendez in, in your amendment that passed late last year uh, had kind of a 60-day window that it was really the time for all the key players, uh, including some outside of government, to come together in terms of that plan. Uh, you said you, you had dinner with the Secretary of State. Uh, what was that conversation? Uh, I know we're a little over uh, overdue, I would say, on that 60-day plan, but uh, what does that look like?
1: Well, it's not a surprise that the government gets requests <laughs> that they don't immediately respond to. Uh, and so I was happy at this dinner. Uh, Senator Menendez was also there, and he led off with the questioning, mm. being senior. And uh, and that was his first question, which is, hey, where are you, and are we coming along? And as you could imagine, the response is, well, we've got a strategy. It's invest and compete. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Those are objectives. Uh, those are nice words to give to yeah. the public, but we want to see something far more comprehensive. And um, uh, the secretary understands that the good news is – that uh, frankly, beginning with President Trump, he said, look, China's a real problem. They're stealing our technology and he put duties on their products. Uh, that was something that really yeah. hadn't been done before that. yeah. Uh, President Biden has continued those duties and likewise recognizes the threat of China. And Secretary Blinken is in the same boat. He says, yeah, this is the number one issue he deals with. The number one issue he's concerned about as Secretary of State is China. And uh, that's good news and a recognition that we need to – take um, uh, from just an overview of what kinds of objectives we have to actually developing a strategy. That's something he's got to take uh, seriously. And I believe you'll see that happen. Yeah. And so what do you see
2: as the kind of those next steps like what are the, what are some of those strategic components that we should be hoping for obviously we've got to deal with China on a host of issues and some things we are just competing uh, obviously the taiwan issue is going to be a big one uh, you mentioned some of the connections the relationships they're fostering with brazil and others in south america uh, what are some of those components to the overarching strategy that we should at least be thinking about
1: well certainly you mentioned military we have to decide what are the uh, the types of military uh, weapons that will uh, communicate to China that you don't want to test us, that you don't want to push against us, that you don't want to go to war with the United States of America. So we need to rethink uh, whether the weapons that we've been creating to fight wars in the Middle East are the right weapons for mm. uh, for Asia. And uh, we, we the military knows some of that, but Congress doesn't want to give up on some of their old weapons programs because they're made in their home district. Right. So <laughs> some of this has got to be communicated. A second area would be economic, which is China's, uh, uh, if you will, their juggernaut is fueled by uh, uh, non-competitive behavior mm. where they establish monopolies and predatory pricing to take over industries. Uh, we have to decide what will we allow, what things will we not allow, and what are we going to get our allies around the world to agree with us? Hey, this is unacceptable. If China does the following, we won't let them into our markets. Uh, and then you move on to, let's say, communications. Yeah. Uh, China's doing a very good job communicating their their values and their principles uh, and, and their propaganda throughout the world. Well, how are we doing? Mm. What are we doing in the Caribbean and in, in Africa and so forth? Yeah. Um, Those are some of the beginnings. Uh, uh, Just another area. Um, When Chinese nationals apply to go to a university here in the United States, uh, uh, should we really be giving them visas to come uh, go to our top educational institutions in our STEM subjects, science and technology and and computer science? Or should we say, no, if you want to come over here and study history and English or political science, fine. But we don't want to have you coming in, again, stealing our technology and then going back to China afterwards. So. We it's element by element. We've got to say, what do we want to do to make sure that in this century, America retains its lead uh, and, uh, and freedom is preserved and the opportunity for our products to be sold around the world remains? Yeah.
2: i want to go back to this idea of communication. I love that you brought that up uh, because we often miss that in terms of the communication strategy around the world. I don't think we're doing near what China is doing in terms of saying, hey, these are our principles. This is what we believe in. This is what we're willing to fight for, defend. Uh, But I also want to get it uh, really closer to home. There's been a lot of criticism about President Biden and the the lack of communication uh, with all of the flying things in the skies over the last 10 days. Uh, Again, you've seen this both as a senator, you saw it during the Olympic Games, you thought in your business practice, crisis communication, leadership communication in a crisis. Uh, Where's the president got it right? Where's he got it wrong? Uh, What should we be looking at or expecting
1: from our leaders in these kind of really tough situations? Well, part of the challenge that the uh, uh, current uh, president has, uh, which may not have existed 20 years ago, when when uh, you, the news cycle 20 years ago was you waited to the morning paper, <laughs> right, uh, at, or the evening news with Walter Cronkite. But but now people want to know right now what was yeah. the shot of the sky, and the truth is they didn't know. All right, mm-hmm. these three things that got shot down in the last week or so, they did not know what those things were, where they came from. And they couldn't pick up the the remnants of it on the ground because it was blown to smithereens. So they and you know, <laughs> sign weather missile will do that. Amazing, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> One's in the water deep, another's on a, a, an iceberg somewhere. So uh, they they didn't know what they'd shot down. What they did know on the on the Chinese weather, well, not weather balloon, Chinese said it was a weather balloon, their spy balloon. They knew okay, this thing is big. It's two hundred feet tall. The, the balloon was. It was carrying a substrate of some ninety feet in dimension. And uh, it's clearly a spy device. Uh, They know where it – exactly where the track of it was Mm -hmm. and they commuted a good deal of that. Some portion they didn't communicate is how we get the information we have. Uh, And uh, we don't want to let the Chinese know exactly what we know about their products and what they're doing. Uh, But uh, in this case, I think um, there was a lot of hype from the world of media, which is, oh, Uh, my goodness, are we under attack? It's like, guys, (laughs) calm down here. I mean – The Chinese have satellites that are flying above us at about 60 miles above the Earth. All right. They do that every day that they want to, taking camera pictures of everything across our our continent. This was a balloon that was, what, 11 miles above. So we don't like that. All right. That's too close. It takes better pictures. But order of magnitude, they're already spying on us. By the way, they're spying on us with our phone lines. They're spying on us uh, with probably TikTok. Yeah, um, every way they can. They're looking at what we're doing here because they see uh, themselves as being the military power of this century eventually. Yeah, and uh, we got to recognize that they are a at this stage a a competitor is a nice way of saying an adversary. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside
2: for a quick commercial break. Uh, much more to come with U.S. Senator Mitt Romney here on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.
3: Find us at KSLPodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason on Inside Sources.
2: Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. We're pleased to have Utah Senator. Mitt Romney in the house with us today, and uh, Senator, it's uh, you've been busy today uh, dealing with everything from
1: uh, wildfires to water, and uh, so give us just a quick update. Where, you, where have you been during the day today? Well, we began by uh, talking with the Commission on Wildfires. We've got a commission. Uh, we drafted legislation that got passed to create a commission of uh, federal, state, local, and outside experts to reconsider how we got to fight wildfires because we're fighting them the way we did twenty years ago, and now with drought and climate change we got to be serious about a much more aggressive approach to knock them down so that we don't have uh, people getting killed as they did in California in particular, as well as structures being lost as, as they have here. So that's one piece. Then we got together with a, a group that's working on the Colorado River and, uh, and how we make sure that the uh, various states that draw from the Colorado River – uh, reduce their usage of water but do so in a fair way. California doesn't seem to want to play uh, uh, in the same sandbox as the rest of us. They, think they just they, want the water, not they, the sand. Get, they get all the water and the rest of us, you know, t- tough luck to all of you guys. Uh, and uh, so we uh, met with them and and uh, uh, also had the chance to meet with some folks at the church that are doing a uh, documentary of sorts on uh, on the history of the Olympics and the response to 9-11. Mm. So, uh, you know, get bouncing around <laughs> uh, a big day. Let's talk about wildfires for just a second, uh, because I think that is
2: one of those areas where obviously the federal government is uh, responsible for some of those, some of those forest lands uh, that are uh, controlled by the federal government, uh, where there is overgrowth or where they're not able to keep up. Uh, how do we get to the conversation when it comes to that? And, and water, I guess I would include in that as well, in terms of being careful stewards of the land and the environment and also making sure
1: that uh, that we're taking care of the people in this at the same time. Uh, you, you know, in this commission that's looking at wildfires, they've broken up into multiple study groups. But one group is looking in particular at the management of our forests mm-hmm. and recognizing that when the federal government runs the forest, it's almost by definition to be so hamstrung with regulations and NEPA requirements that they can't get the job done. And so what's been most effective is when there's a joint management agreement – where the state as well as the federal government work together. And the state is able to work more aggressively to get rid of dead wood, uh, yeah. to make sure that we're having controlled burns at the right time of the year. Th- these are things that are beginning to happen. We'll probably need legislation to make sure this happens more and more. Uh, but uh, the, the objective here is to find ways to prevent fires from becoming catastrophic and wiping out whole towns and killing people at structure and, you know, there's some things we as citizens need to do as well. We probably shouldn't have trees up in the mountains with branches from trees uh, laying on top of our homes. All right. So we, we're going to have to do a little better, better job than we've been doing as homeowners as well. Yeah. Uh, so important. And
2: uh, all of those obviously are things that impact the state of Utah, the West uh, and uh, and beyond. Uh, I want to get to one that's impacting everybody, and it's become another one of those places where it's getting harder to divide the rage from the reason. Uh, President Biden, uh, you know, called out Republicans, uh, some Republicans, a Republican, uh, for wanting to throw grandma over the cliff and getting rid of Social Security and Medicare. Uh, So let's get to the the rational, reasonable conversation. We know the CBO uh, came out and they're kind of the Congressional Budget Office. They call balls and strikes, make lawmakers uh, in the White House show their math, uh, kind of a fifth grade uh, math teacher style. So we know that these programs uh, are are doomed to run out of money eventually. Uh, But it seems to me that we're missing a real conversation about this. Obviously, something has to give or they they both go bankrupt. uh, And then that really hurts. Uh, older folks, uh, especially the poor and the most vulnerable. So how do we begin that conversation outside of the rage and all
1: the political point scoring? Well, President Biden's running for reelection, apparently. And uh, he is going to the old playbook, which has worked for Democrats for decades, which is accuse Republicans of getting rid of Social Security and Medicare. So you scare the elderly. Uh, you have people run to the polls to keep that from happening. And it's obviously disingenuous and dishonest. Uh, the president should be ashamed for doing it, but uh, he was able to point to a couple of things that have been said by one or two senators that could be interpreted as uh, as saying we're going to cut Medicare or Social Security, which, frankly, we're not going to do. No one is proposing cutting Social Security or Medicare. Have you ever seen that in legislative text?
2: Like, like, is there anywhere there's anyone no can point? <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no
1: bill that's been introduced that I know of that said, hey, let's cut these, these programs. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, but – the reality is that we probably need to rethink what the programs look like 20 years from now. Right. So envisioning Social Security and Medicare 20 years from now is important. Uh, one, to make sure it's there for you know people coming in the next generations and that we can afford the programs that we have. And I, along with a number of Democrats and Republicans, have a proposal to do just that. We're not talking about cutting anything or taxing something in a new way, but sitting down and talking about – how big are these programs? How can they uh, be changed to make sure they survive over the next 75 years? And actually, there's one senator, Bill Cassidy, mm. uh, along with Angus King, who've come up with the proposal on Social Security, which is a really remarkable piece of work. It doesn't cut benefits, all right? <laughs> yeah. And it lasts for 75 years of solvency. We'll see mm. if that is able to get some uh, some legs or not. But this has to happen. And yeah. what's embarrassing is you have – both on the right and on the left, people say, We won't touch Social Security, we won't touch touch Medicare, we're not gonna touch entitlements, we're not gonna touch the military. Well, you know how much those things combine <laughs> of our spending? They they happen they happen to be nine tenths of our spending. Yeah. So if you want to cut Trillions of dollars out of spending, you have to talk about those programs.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that uh, to me, that's the that's the crucial conversation that we just keep missing uh, amidst all the other things that are going on. Uh, talk to us in terms of uh, what that means. I I know the uh, CBO also said that uh, we have record revenue coming in. Uh, and not just because of inflation, but as percentage, uh, we're collecting more. I think it was uh, 19.6% of GDP in taxes were collected. So that's a, a high, if not a all-time high, at least uh, back 40 or 50 years. Uh, so we do know there is income coming in for the government uh, to function. Uh, and yet we keep having deficit spending after deficit spending. Some are projecting we'll add another $20 trillion uh, to our already $30 trillion in debt. Uh, how do we get a real conversation about that and the threat that it is to our economy
1: and, and way of life? Yeah, the, the threat is really that, that at some point people will stop lending us money. Um, and the reality is even if they'll keep lending us money, who's going to pay the interest on in this debt? It's now hundreds of billions of dollars a year. It will be larger than our defense budget in the next couple of decades. Just the interest payment. Just the interest payments. <laughs> And so we will be saddling our grandchildren and their grandchildren with interest the rest of their lives for things we gave to ourselves, not things we invested in for them. No, no, things we gave ourselves. It's, uh, it's irresponsible and, frankly, immoral in my view yeah. for us to spend massive amounts of money and then pass on the cost to the coming generations. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. So in my opinion, we need to sit down and confront that. And deal with it, uh, and and I'm look I'm for me all things are on the table. I mean I'm I'm honest with you on that. Uh, uh, we can be creative in the way we finance it. We can find ways to uh, increase revenue or to reduce cost. But we're going to have to find ways to balance what we're spending, or we could put our country in peril, and we're certainly putting our descendants in peril already. Yeah. Uh, last
2: thing for you, Senator, What uh, what's something that's on your radar, something that you're thinking about that you wish
1: more of your colleagues or the American people were, were thinking about in terms of our future? Well, you've hit the two big ones today. All right. China's number one. Uh, China emerging as the most powerful nation on the earth more than ourselves. That is an enormous threat. We can't allow that to happen. Number two is the amount of debt we have and and being able to uh, discuss it and to Put in place programs that get us to a balanced budget is absolutely essential. For me, number three is how to help families. All right, mm-hmm. so that, that that's my next item. And you know, I I proposed something uh, called the Family Security Act. Uh, it provides help to people who are having kids. It's two thousand dollars per child, uh, and uh, it comes in a in a, a monthly payment. Uh, it costs no additional money. Mm. Because we eliminate some programs we currently have that are not very effective. Mm. So for me, any, anytime we're going to come up with a program that's helpful and it's going to make things better, you have to pay for it. <laughs> and as idea. opposed to just <laughs> go out and borrow more money for it. Yeah. And uh, and for me, we're going to eliminate some programs that, that are not effective and uh, and invest instead on the coming generations by helping people that want to have kids be able to afford them. Yeah.
2: So important. And I love you. Bring up that idea of just programs that aren't working. I think one of the best things President Obama did was coming to Congress with a a list of $17 billion of programs that he didn't think were effective or productive or producing the right result uh, I'd love to see that kind of conversation both coming from the White House and from Congress to say if we're going to have government let's make sure it's doing whatever it's
1: doing really well yeah and I'm embarrassed to say that the that we blame the Democrats and they largely deserve credit for spending too much but then we have our sacred cows as well yeah. that we want to spend money on because they're for states that are important to us to keep our majority look we got to put this aside and do what's right for the American people
2: yeah absolutely Senator Mitt Romney Thanks so much for stopping in on a very busy day here in uh, KSL News Radio. We'll go ahead and step aside for some bottom of the hour news. Thanks again to the Senator for joining us today. We'll be right back. More insight sources on KSL News Radio.
0: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish.